Hi, I'm Bernard Leung and you may know me as the executive who wants to have my time out with social media networking tools and in my spare time, I want to know why Douyin is redefining social media and music and video in China. You're listening to Analyze Asia, the weekly podcast dedicated to business technology and media in Asia. And today I have none other than Matthew Brennan, co-founder of China Channel and host of China Tech Talk. Welcome, Matthew. And it's been some time we have been talking and it's great to have you back again. Hey, Bernard. Thanks. Good to be back as always and some interesting topic today, I reckon. I have been following your podcast a lot. So recently, what have you been up to? Oh, on the podcast, we've had some good interviews. We did see Trip a couple of weeks back. We've been covering, yeah, I've actually got a, a good one coming up. I've got another recording after this today where we'll be, uh, so by the time this comes out, that will be the, probably the top one, which is about uh, company culture in Huawei, uh, just across Chinese tech companies in general. So yeah, I think we're finding some interesting topic and trying to stretch out and cover a, a, a wide range of different stuff. So pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. So recently, both John and you did an episode on China Tech Talk, re reflecting on the development of China. And I think John, for the first time being the editor, wrote an article in TechNote. So you have been living there for a while. What are your thoughts on China now? I mean, for example, you have Chinese business going really global and some of them still staying within their own borders. I mean, what's the culture and what's the feel and what are your reflections on John's article? Oh, yeah, that was a kind of a different episode for us. John wrote this piece. I think he's been in China for a decade now. And he had some thoughts that he wanted to get out. For me, I've been a little bit longer. I consider China my home. For me, I, I'm kind of used to it, very much so. And there's a lot going on. I think we tried to unpack some things, some element, but you're really... You could talk about it all day. I think if, if your listeners want to go and listen to that, we, we got a lot of feedback actually on that episode. Uh, people feel strongly about it. I, I Certainly my viewpoint is not a mainstream viewpoint. I'm fairly positive about the rise of China. I'm more positive about the, the place that, and the role, the positive role that China can play in the world. And I think that a lot of the discussion that's around China in the, in the media is very Western-centric and based around values that aren't that are quite different from those shared in other parts of Asia. And that's where the real conflict is coming from, not, not from any sort of general danger of, of China rising up because it is rising up. And this is the big change, I think, for this century that uh, we're going to have to deal with this shift in mindset, in, in culture, in power from the West to the East. And just to point our readers to the article that John wrote is called The China That Can Be Understood Is Not The Real China. And I think that a podcast episode did ring a bell on me. And of course, we will privately discuss that in another time. And today, why I got you here is because I wanted to understand a company or an app that is actually under ByteDance called Douyin. And it's, a lot of people have been talking about it. Can you introduce the app Douyin and its connection with ByteDance, the group who also owns Total? Yeah, it's a little bit confusing at first. So ByteDance is the company. They're based in Beijing and they have two popular apps now. So one is Total which is called Daily Headline in English. And that one's already been around for a while. It's quite, quite established. It's a news aggregation platform and it's been very successful in mainland China. I don't believe it's outside China. Or if it is, it's, it's certainly not popular in the same way that it is inside China. The company ByteDance is known for a, a couple of things. One, their founder insists that they want to be independent from Tencent and Alibaba. The, the guys that are sort of usually invest in companies like ByteDance, they usually have to take sides, but ByteDance is quite independent. And number two, that they're known for this machine learning, being an AI first company and having very strong team that, that has a, a very 
advanced algorithms in the background which curate the content. So they before manually creating the content, it was all done by algorithms. That's changed recently, but still they're very much algorithm versed. That's really been driving that that core engine has really been driving a, a, a lot of their products. So up until very recently, they were known for Totiao, the Davy headline. Now, in the past, I would say six months, this app Douyin, which outside China is called TikTok, which is a video uh, application, video-based short videos, micro videos, in fact, they can be like 15 seconds long, and you just flip through these videos, and has become incredibly popular in China. It's also become quite popular in other Asian markets like Japan, Thailand. I saw it in Philippines when I was there. I saw it in it all is cropping up all over Southeast Asia, Taiwan. I saw it there as well. And I'm here at South Korea as well, I believe. So it's doing extremely well. In fact, for Q1 2018, for non-game applications globally, I think it was number one download. So now in China, it's quite clear that this application has, has, has reached a critical mass, um, that the user numbers are really growing extremely fast. Outside China, it's also starting to have that effect. That's going to have a lot of implications for the app ecosystem. I think it's pretty good that you also mentioned that Douyin's other name in the international markets is known as TikTok. And of course, ByteDance, as we know, is founded by Zhang Yiming, which is part of the TMD, uh, Total, Meituan, Dianping, and DDXs, which is the next generation of internet companies after the BAT. And I think recently they have Jin Liu, who is the cousin of Jin Liu of DD, who is also the former head of strategy from Uber China, joined them to run their business side. It's almost like you always need someone in the family to take the business. Coming back, how does the app work as a short video and music app? And now also even, because I have a little bit of difficulty to think about this app because sometimes I think it's a live streaming app and sometimes I think it's actually a music or a video app. The app started off as a clone, uh, to, to my knowledge, a clone of another app called Musical.ly. And Musical.ly was developed by a team in Shanghai, but became quite popular in the States and Europe. And Musical.ly is based around miming to uh, videos. But the user interface on TikTok or Douyin is, is very similar, but type of content is very different. So whereas Musical.ly was really focused about music and miming and maybe dancing as well, TikTok or Douyin start, kind of started off that way, but quickly pivoted towards more entertainment, just general entertainment videos. In particular, comedy skits are very, very popular on the platform. But there's a very, very rich content ecosystem that's been they've been able to develop. I know very early on in China, they worked quite well with influencers, and they did a really fantastic job of getting a critical mass of really strong creative to work on the platform. And it's really grown out so that the type of content you can see on there there's all different kinds and the algorithm will quickly work out what you like and what you don't like and, and then just feed you more of what you like. Just give you a quick example. There's a lot of foreign influencers, people, you know, expats who live in China, whether they're studying, usually it's young, young guys or girls who are studying Chinese or maybe working teaching English who have built up quite strong channels. There was a couple of them at our conference last year, actually, the China Chat Conference in Shanghai. We, had, we invited a couple of influencers there, one from South Africa, one from Argentina. And they, in the past year, I think especially the Argentinian guy has built up a huge following on Douyin. I think he's got something like 2 million followers now. So it's not just Chinese content. There's all kinds of content on there. You know, his channel is about food. So it's, it's really nothing to do with music at all. And it's interesting because there's a side note to this is that ByteDance actually bought Musical.ly in a deal that's worth between 800 million to a billion last year. So it seems that the music part is already more or less well-solved by Musically, so 
where Douyin is actually moving is actually in the short video space. Am I right to say that? Yeah, I think that's a really smart move from them as well because definitely, uh, I, I think you would have seen Facebook try to acquire them if if they hadn't have made that move. Because right now, where we are, I think things have moved quite fast. Just recently, uh, ByteDance announced that globally now, uh, between TikTok and Douyin, they have 500 million monthly active users. So this is a serious platform now. This is a serious contender to a serious threat. To, to, to Facebook globally. How does users and KOLs, the key opinion leaders, access the services on Douyin? I mean, what I'm actually asking is, for example, there are two groups of people, the users, people who look at the videos, and then there is also the people who uses the platform itself to generate videos to show to people what they're doing on Douyin itself. The content creators, it's a very rich ecosystem that's developed up. Some of them are very professional. Some of them, anyone can actually publish content. So for example, my sister-in-law, posts videos on there, just her and her child. They don't get too much attention, but she does it and she enjoys it. There's a range of filters that you can use in there and editing tools. And you have to register and provide some verification, as is quite typical in China, that you'll have to actually real name verify your account. Almost anyone, the barrier to entry to become a content creator is very low. Having said that, you know, there are teams producing extremely high quality content as well. How about users then? The users just basically turn on the app and then basically, is there a way for them to have discovery or curation of content very quickly? Is it some form of following function that allows them to access the content then? Oh, sure, sure. You can follow. You can follow channels that you particularly enjoy. You can do search and search for keywords and find content that way. But to be honest, for the vast majority of users, my understanding is, and certainly my personal experience, when I first started using the app, you actually don't use those features. Most people will simply swipe, swipe, swipe based on what they like and what videos they stay they stay longer on in terms of watching them. The algorithm will take that information and use it to assess your preferences and tastes. And so you don't actually need to follow any accounts. You don't need to take any proactive actions beyond just swiping down or swiping up rather for the videos to to come up from the bottom. So it's a very simple user experience and it's quite addictive. And that's really part of the what, what's made the platform work is that you really don't need to think too much to, to use Douyin. It's very accessible. That seems to be the common strength of ByteDance. I mean, they did the same with Toutiao. They did the same with Douyin. And of course, the Musical.ly itself is already an app of its own stature. I think part of it is also because of the AI capability that they have in order to tailor content towards the user's taste. Do you think that that's actually been done on Douyin as well? Yeah, definitely. I've been thinking about why it got so popular because it's actually quite quite strange in many respects. Why did Douyin, why is this, why is Douyin so popular? Because this short video as a category has been around for years. It's actually someplace where people have recently been criticizing Tencent for letting ByteDance become so hot in this area and gain so much traffic. Why didn't Tencent, you know, create some product like this? And and the fact is that they did. They created, they, they had products in this category. I think most, most of the big internet giants did. But Douyin somehow is seems to be a better user experience. I think a big part of it is the actual technology behind the platform in that it can really quickly identify very high quality content and surface it to the people who want to see it. I can't really come up with too many other reasons why this platform has become so popular. I mean, they did a great job on branding, their, their name, their logo, and their style is excellent. And, is, and as I mentioned before, they did an excellent job with working with KOLs early on, 
Certainly, ByteDance is a very capable internet company, one of the most capable in China. I'm really struggling to come up with, with, with reasons beyond those few as to why this platform got so hot. It did take a lot of people by surprise. And there's a lot of theories, but I, I don't buy into most. Of them. I think this one has, the, the, the core reason is that the technology, and, and you know, we always said, you know, AI is going to take over and AI is going to come into our lives in so many different ways. And, and you know, a, a lot of that's just talk right now, right? We don't actually see that happening today. But perhaps this is one of the examples where the AI capabilities of this company has really helped them build a product that's substantially better than what else was on the market before is, I, I think, a big factor. One issue was that the Chinese authorities have actually recently criticized the platform. And I think Zhang Yiming came out to apologize about that. I also want to understand the backstory behind it and how did Douyin actually take steps to regulate the user-generated content on their platform then? Yeah, sure. So when you're dealing with content in China, I think there's always this risk. Certainly we've seen that the government has been uh, taking a stricter attitude towards content. And the big one for ByteDance was that they, they have another application called Nehan Danza, which is kind of, uh, if you translate it, it it's, a, it's an app that sort of you're the insider of, uh, of that joke. So it was a platform where there was a lot of content that was in, in a roundabout way criticizing government policies or or insider jokes about what's going on with, with media and, and general news. And that platform, that actual app got suspended, got taken down by the government. So that was a pretty big deal. I mean, it wasn't a, a the user base was nowhere near as big as, as, as the app we're talking about now, Douyin, but certainly it was an established platform and had a very loyal user base. That, that's pretty extreme for that to happen. We haven't seen too many cases of, of platforms just being shut down directly by the government, but the trend is pretty clear and most platforms are self-censoring rather than actually uh, you know, letting the government do it for them. What we saw with, with Douyin is that they're now they're employing more humans in the process to actually monitor the content and check that it's not anything unharmonious and it's not against government regulations. So you know, that could be something like deemed as like pornographic content or just overly sexual content. It could be stuff that obviously is, is critical of government policy. There's, there's a couple of different categories that it usually you know is, is considered sensitive but I, I believe in the long run it's you know platforms that reach scale in China are the ones that actually when regulation comes in we see this in lots of areas right when we talk about Facebook and regulating Facebook outside China actually enforcing regulation from the government usually actually ends up supporting the, the bigger platforms because they're the only ones who can really deal with it because uh, they have the scale and the experience to, to deal with regulation. It doesn't, re regulation usually hurts the small guys more than the big guys. And I think it's a similar dynamic in China where actually, yes, in the short term, you'll read a lot of articles saying that Douyin's suffering from government crackdown. But in the long run, actually, these kind of crackdowns support the bigger platforms because it's just that's the way it works with regulations. It's a bit counterintuitive. More regulation also means that they have more inherent competitive advantage in dealing with the problems and where newcomers might find themselves having a lot of problems coming into it. Exactly. And conversely, you could say, well, if the regulations are heavy, it is bad for them because the kind of content they're taking down from the platform might be the more exciting content, the more interesting content, to, at least to some users. 
And so definitely bad for their ecosystem. People will go away. But if they go away, where are they going to go to? Uh, if people want content, there's only so many content platforms. I've been reading a lot of articles on Douyin from the Western media and some from within the Chinese media. One thing that doesn't really flesh out completely to me was the business model for Douyin as a platform. What do they usually do? I mean, the only interesting article I've read is that they are partnering with Alibaba on e-commerce. So what is the actual monetization model for this particular platform itself? Yeah, so a couple of things. Number one, it would be definitely advertisements, right? So you, which is pretty, for any content-driven application, adverts is, is, the, is an obvious model. The amount of time, I've heard before that you know, ByteDance counts the amount of time in, that people are spending in their apps as the, as the key sort of KPI. And they definitely run ads on the platform and those are like full screen ads they're, they're quite immersive i think they actually work quite well but usually i find personally i find the i don't want to scroll past the content quite often i actually want want to look at those ads so that's a good indicator that those those advertisements would get a decent return on investment for the for the companies investing in them the, you know you can have branded accounts and there's also there you're right they're experimenting with e-commerce i think there's links up with Taobao stores there and they also you can buy virtual coins there's a virtual currency in in the application as well there is some live streaming in there although it's not really in my i would say it's peripheral to the core experience right now but we, we can, I think it's similar to most internet companies in China. They first, they take the view that, okay, if you have huge traffic, then you can monetize that traffic in, in a variety of ways. It's all about getting the traffic. And Douyin is still explosive stage right now. The numbers that they released for this year for January, March, and June are very different. So it's still in a very, very high growth stage. And um, we can expect that to that trend to play out for the next, I would say, the next six months, where it will continue to grow, grow quite fast, and and they they can they're experimenting now. It seems with like, okay, we'll try a bit of e-commerce. Certainly, advertisements will be a big one, uh, and maybe virtual currency and, and live stream can also be in there as well. Uh, these are all very proven monetization models. So whatever fits best with the user experience, I think, is what they'll end up going with more. My guess is it will probably be advertisements. What are the major lessons that one can draw from Douyin's rapid growth and success? I mean, they actually came on pretty recently and suddenly they sort of became very dominant. I mean, probably just because ByteDance have already two very successful apps with Toutiao Douyin and Acquisition or Musical.ly and of course the app that, that has gotten banned as well. So what are the things that actually companies can learn from that? Yeah, it's that's that's an interesting question. I would say there are still opportunities in social and content that we. All, so I think there's some people believe that mobile is very mature now. That all the it, it's pretty difficult to come up with a category that isn't already a big category, one that's like consuming a lot of user time or can have a lot of spend. That all of these opportunities are, have gone now. I, I think kind of Douyin proves that that's not the case. There will be new opportunities that come out. I think that in terms of the execution of the team, there's probably some lessons to be learned there with how they work together with KOLs, what they did with branding, and certainly the power, as we mentioned before, the power of the AI of the platform. I think that for me, that's the big takeaway is that actually we're, this is where the rubber's hitting, hitting the road with, with, with AI, that actually it will have a big impact in, in, in areas that we, we didn't think of. And Douyin's a great example of that. So recently, Tencent and ByteDance are going to war with Douyin under siege. 
what is the chronology between this legal tussle between them then? Yeah, so there's been a lot written about that. I think it's mostly hype, mostly white dance rather, who perceive themselves to be the underdog, which they certainly are in terms of the size of the two companies, making a lot of noise and essentially using this this supposed war between the two of them as a as a sort of free PR for for Douyin. Certainly, they they are competitors, right? When Douyin becomes very very popular or Tokyo becomes very very popular, these products don't compete directly with products like WeChat or QQ, but they do take a lot of time away from users. And so the time that is, is essentially a zero-sum game in terms of how much time we spend on mobile. Actually, in one of the Tencent earnings calls recently, they think Martin Lau tried to say that that wasn't the case, that, that actually Douyin was additive to the whole time that people were spending on their phone. In fact, that you know, Douyin was making people spend more time on their phones and therefore it wasn't such a, a zero-sum game as, as people believe. I find that a little difficult to, to believe. I think it pretty much from my personal experience and, and from speaking to other people uh, in China, I think that the time that people are spending on Douyin or Toutiao is taking away from from other products and some of those products will definitely be Tencent products. So once you've got the attention away, then you can start building on top of that. So what we talked about with monetization and, and what they're doing with experimenting with different models, you're, you're also going to see that with features and functionality. We've seen that Douyin, it hasn't been talked about too much, but Douyin has a, there's something called a Douyin card now where they've, they're cooperated with one of the telecom companies in China to actually have a, like a free package you pay a small monthly fee and, and you get a free like data package for the you can get unlimited data for a month that's something that tencent's done before quite successfully but now we're seeing bike dance do it so you're going to see them build up their ecosystem a lot more now they have this huge traffic and that's going to start eating into all the other sort of in in the area everything's built upon the attention and the traffic so the, the business models and the opportunities of what they i, I don't think they're going to move into messaging it wouldn't make sense for them to add that kind of features in, into Douyin. but there might certainly be more e-commerce for example in the, in the platform that could make a lot more sense and that would certainly hurt other platforms like weibo where people go for that kind of experience right now and i think there was also lawsuits between Tencent and ByteDance now were doing right because they sort of shut down their WeChat public accounts. Yeah, so sharing content on WeChat from a lot of the short video platforms, including Douyin, is blocked currently. I don't think that's going to change. And Douyin makes a big noise about that, saying that essentially that Tencent's not playing fair. I would agree that Tencent sometimes uses the, the advantage that they have of controlling the big social networks to play to their own company. Well, they, they always do that. They always will shift the default. You know, if you want to pay for something, the default's WeChat Pay. Uh, if you want to download an app, okay, they're going to push you to the Tencent App Store. You know, that's just taken as a given. So if, if a threat like this pops up, of course, they're going to use QQ and WeChat to try and cut it down a little bit. So it's unsurprising that we see them do this, but I think it's par for the course in China. I would expect Douyin to be doing the same if they had that kind of leverage. Do you foresee Tencent would eventually come up with an app that would actually take on Douyin? Or do you going to see that they're going to try to do something within WeChat to take on Douyin itself? Not, not from WeChat. The, the Douyin user experience really doesn't make sense on, on the WeChat platform, but we've seen them put their efforts behind a platform called WeSee in English, and Weishu in Chinese. 
And that was actually a, a short video platform, which they had around for a long time. And then they actually shut it down because it wasn't, like I said, short video is not a new cat- new category. It's been in China for many years. And, and so Tencent opened up this platform and, and it didn't really do that much. Uh, and so eventually they ended up shutting it down and, and they've resurrected it. And now that's the where they're putting all their effort into, into, into this WeC platform in order to try and uh, create an ecosystem similar to Douyin. Very difficult to do because they're behind now. All the momentum is with the Douyin platform. None of the momentum is with uh, WeC, but they're, they're using strategies like subsidies for content creators. They've got uh, very generous subsidies for anyone who wants to create high-quality content on the platform. They're using QQ to drive a lot of traffic over into, into WeC and then promoting it quite heavily with the, because QQ is a platform that's able to reach uh, the younger users quite well. It's actually got a similar demographic to Snapchat in that respect. So they're using a variety of tactics, but I don't have too much hope for it, to be honest. I think this is a characteristic of social networking tools. I guess once you reach scale or critical mass, it's actually very hard for the number two to try to displace the number one. We have seen that many times in the playbook. Yeah, the momentum behind the platform, once it's, it's difficult to get, it's extremely difficult to get that momentum, in fact. But once you've got it, you know, everything sort of, you can do a lot. You can go, and for others to catch up with you once you have that momentum is is very difficult. Still, we should never underestimate Tencent. Yeah, execution power is just amazing. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, we saw them in this particular instance. The problem, the key problem, really is, is that ByteDance wants to remain independent. They don't want to be. So, a typical strategy here would be for Tencent to invest in them. That was, I think, that would be the default a strategy that they would take. It's not an option here. So they're, they're, they're stuck. They have to build their own product to compete. And in fact, we've seen some rumors recently that uh, ByteDance is going to take investment from Alibaba. I don't know if that's, gonna, if that's actually true or not. If it is true, that's a, that's a huge deal because their neutrality would be broken. That would be quite bad news for Tencent. So Matthew, many thanks for coming on the show to give my audience an introduction to Douyin and some of the things that it is ongoing with them against Tencent and maybe a potential alliance with Alibaba. So in closing, two things to ask. The first is, can you recommend a book, podcast, or anything else that has impacted your work and personal life recently? Uh, sure. I finished recently the book, The, uh, the Chaos Monkeys, which is uh, insider's view on Facebook during the period where they were struggling to get their advertisement business model up and running. Very interesting book. Highly recommend it for anyone who wants to understand a bit more about Facebook culture and how the uh, online advertisement industry, the, mur- the, the murky world of uh, programmatic advertisement works. So I, I very enjoyable read. And of course, the last question, how do my audience find you? You can find me on Team Twitter, which uh, would be uh, Matt, Matt Brennan China, I think. I'm also on WeChat as well. And of course, your Czech conference is coming up soon as well, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Promote that one. So if you're interested in WeChat and WeChat marketing or just general China digital uh, ecosystem and digital marketing, uh, then we have our conference coming up in two months time in Shanghai, uh, September 20th, 21st. And that's the big annual conference where all of the key experts in the area come together. We have a tough time getting everyone in one place. We can only do it once a year, but, you know, about 500 attendees, two days, whole bunch of workshops. Uh, If you're interested in it, come along. 
We will definitely put that on the show notes so that our readers can actually, our, sorry, our audience can actually click on it and hopefully come for the conference. And definitely you can Google me at Bernard Leong. And of course, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast. And of course, tweet to me if you have any feedback. Most importantly, give me a five-star ratings on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts or give us a star on Overcast and Pocket Cast. And once again, Matthew, many thanks for taking your time to have this conversation with me. Thank you for inviting me, Bernard.